And sometimes you'll catch it mid-word. It's like, uh, uh, um, actually, I mean this. Uh, and then other times you Absolute might catch it. Absolute vodka. <laughs> I mean, it's a way to go. <laughs> Welcome to Well Shit. It really is that simple. I'm Claire. And I'm Serena. On this podcast, we help you to understand about your 12 universal needs, why they are currently not being well met, how to meet them in ways that work for you, and how to consistently do so in quick, easy, and simple ways that fit seamlessly into your life. We'll also help you to understand how doing so will have a positive ripple effect in literally every area of your life. If you like what you hear, sign up for more support with meeting your needs with your weekly universal needs notes at theuniversalneeds.com. And enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. And I'm yeah, sorry, I just, I had a, I had to check we were recording. We are. We so are. it's all good. We can carry on going. I'm like, I just had a moment of like, did we hit record? We've been here so many times. I just, yeah. Let's not let's not do that whole record an entire episode and then realize we didn't hit record again. They're always gold too. I know, it's right? Like, oh, that was the best episode ever. Ah, we didn't hit record. Oh my goodness, how are you doing? Uh, doing good. Busy, 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 busy. Yes, um, full time with the universal needs. Yay. So lots going on there and uh, travel planning, which yeah. we're both kind of in that. Yeah, vacation time. I, I'm, I'm really super excited because it means I get to see my family again because I've not seen them in uh, nearly a year. In fact, it's probably over a year now thinking about it, like looking at the date. It's over a year since I left. Wow. So it's yeah, more than a year since I've seen my family. So uh, which is probably the longest I've ever gone without seeing them. So um, yeah, I'm super excited to go and hang out with uh, with my family and the kids. And yeah, just it's just gonna be it's gonna be um, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. I'm excited for you. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so today we are talking about something that a lot of people do. In their day-to-day language. Something we did. Oh my goodness. And we realized, wait a minute. I was about to say, <laughs> I was about to say all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting that I was about to use that terminology. So today we're talking about absolutes. Um, and in absolutes when we're talking to uh, when we're talking about language, like when we're using absolute language within uh, what we're saying. Now, probably helpful to say well, what on earth are you talking about <laughs> what is ab- what are absolutes so absolutes are things that create a definitiveness around a statement that you're making so you want to give some of the examples of some of the the words that are absolute words absolutely <laughs> <laughs> she says having just said before we started recording i never use the word absolutely <laughs> I, it's, I was we were discussing this and it's interesting because the actual word absolutely isn't something that's really in my vocabulary, but absolutely is <laughs> so much so that if I try to type just absolute into my phone, um, it I get auto corrects to absolutely. <laughs> well, so. the funny thing is, is that I do. It's interesting that I'm someone who's trying to remove absolutes from my language because absolutely is actually a, a word I use at all and absolutely is in it of itself an absolute so like one of the things that you don't say <laughs> I don't know what the I don't know what the clue was <laughs> I mean where's the hint there <laughs> 
So anyway, you want to give some of the, the words? That, yeah, some um, of the absolute. Some of the ones we most commonly see mm-hmm. always always i mean like sorry i thought you were saying some of the some of the words we commonly see always i thought that was your sentence i'm like you're using it in the sentence to talk about the sentence sorry i'll stop because it's so it's so prevalent it's used a lot of the time yes (laughs) which is not an absolute there we go (laughs) never um every so everything or just everyone every day Mm -hmm. every every is a lot like even just saying it's like Every can be so many things. Overwhelming. Along with all. Mm-hmm. All the all. time. All of you. All. All, all yes. can be so big. I'm making big arms. <laughs> um, none. Yeah. None. None. Like, how many times is it really none? None. Yeah. Or only. Mm-hmm. And one that um, we had talked about using, and we're going to go on into a little bit of nuance and that kind of stuff in this episode, but must right must is one there's a lot more nuance around it than some of the other ones but you must do this yeah that's a very absolute statement and actually because i kind of interrupted i want to make sure that we really um um emphasize the fact that always is one of them because always is a term that is used a lot of the time by a lot of people um and um like i can imagine some people going uh, who cares? <laughs> Why are we talking about this right now? It's like they must be lacking some episodes. Right, yeah. Like, you know, we're, one thing I can guarantee you, we are not short of content. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, the reason that we're bringing this up is because this can sometimes compromise needs. And um, it's it's very interesting because... I'm going I'm to actually... This can often, not yes. even just sometimes, and it's not always, but... More often than not, throwing yeah. in the absolute is not really what you mean. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if I see what you did there, or should I be saying, "Do you know what you did there?" <laughs> What's well, really funny was it was halfway out of my mouth before I was like, "Oh, actually, I'm going to use this right now." I could, and here's the thing: I could have corrected myself, and that's what we tend to do: is that when we are um, when we're noticing language that's not helpful, um, that we will start to like. Sometimes you might catch it after you've said it. I'm like, hold on a second. That's not really what I meant. And sometimes you'll catch it mid-word. It's like, uh, uh, um, actually, I mean this. Uh, and then other times you Absolute might catch it. Absolute vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a way to go. <laughs> um, so why do absolutes compromise needs? Well, the thing about it is, is that what can sometimes happen when it when we're using absolute language is that it, it can reinforce beliefs. It can reinforce behavior. Um, so, for example, if you say um, that I, um, oh, I've just thought of another couple of absolutes. <laughs> I'm thinking of examples now. Uh, things like uh, don't or can't mm. um, are also uh, absolutes. One of the things that comes uh, comes to my mind is that when I'm dealing with clients, when uh, they say to me, oh, I can't do blah, 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 blah. And I, and I would, I always add the word yet into that sentence because when you say I can't do this you're reinforcing that belief that you can't do it which makes it actually that much harder for you to actually do that and normally those are the things that come up around the things that we really want to start doing like habits we want to create changes we want to make and so when um the the um the the y word is sometimes a really great antidote to using the absolutes so it's like I can't do that yet leaves room for the possibility that we're going to be able to learn that we're going to be able to grow Mm -hmm. um also things like um 
you even when it comes down to um, even when it comes down to needs so it's like you must meet your needs yes we would say needs are a must that's one of the things that we talk about and when you think about them in terms of survival needs and actually like drinking oxygen is a need we must have oxygen if we want to survive so yes there are situations in which they are a must but for example if you say to somebody you have to meet all 12 of your universal needs every day so i've used two absolutes in that statement i have to do all 12 needs and i have to do it every single day all of a sudden there's this weight and this pressure that comes with that And what that does is that weight and pressure actually makes it harder for you to do the things that you need to do in order to meet your needs. Um, Another time that these things come up frequently, um, as somebody who, I worked as a relationship specialist for about seven or eight years, and these things come up a lot of the time in relationship conflict and relationship challenges. Um, So if you think about it, if somebody says, oh, you always do this, that can, and it happens frequently. Mm-hmm. A lot of people use this language. What that can do is it can be invalidating to the other person or it could devalue the other person. And it's like, it, you're not being seen, you're not being acknowledged, it can compromise your acknowledgement need. It could hit your emotional experience expression need because it's like, well, that's not true. And the rea- reality is, is that you are always um, in a situation, <laughs> she says. <laughs> <laughs> what's so funny is I've actually squirreled myself by using an absolute and I don't actually remember what the sentence was that I was going to say anymore when it comes to these things when we put these into um uh relationship situations for example where um we are um using absolutes is that it makes it very difficult for you to find common ground for you to connect for you to communicate well because a lot of the time it looks like you're tarring somebody with a single brush mm-hmm. and that's who they are and that's all they are it's all they ever are and it's all they ever will be that makes it very difficult for them to change and it may be that change is one of the things that they need in order to meet their needs better um the other thing is it makes it really really difficult for people to take what is actually meant for them and leave what isn't because the reality is that especially when it comes to the sort of things that we do when we talk about like the personal development space and you get a lot of these absolutes showing up in inspirational quotes in inspirational videos and in advice and guidance that some people in the personal development space make the thing is is that because i'm trying to think of an example now of a quote of like uh, like you always have to do this or never do this or um only do this for example now it may be that that is helpful 90% of the time but if you are in a situation where that is not helpful actually you, it could guide you in the wrong direction and we, we did a, a podcast recently where we were talking about um toxic positivity and it may be like if sim- simple example of using an absolute always look on the bright side how many times have we heard that? There's a freaking song about it, for goodness sake. Like, always look on the bright. No, I mean, and sometimes it can be helpful. What? I kind of wanted to see where you were going to, all jazz hands. And- like the elbows come up. Like, it feels like that's, like that's like a Cockney kind of song for yeah, me. And the elbows feel like they need to come up. Duh. Um, anyway, um, 
you look at something like always look at the bright side of life. Now, there are times when it is very helpful to look on the bright side. Um, there are times, as we were talking about recently, where that's toxic positivity. You don't want to look at the bright side of life. Um, actually, it's helpful to look at what's real and what's in front of you as part of your processing. So that's an example where you're using an absolute and actually it could invite somebody to compromise their needs. And where we have so much conditioning around these sorts of things, um, like Good vibes only, positive vibes only, great examples of absolutes that are actually very toxic and very unhelpful because I don't know anybody who is only good vibes all the time. I don't know anybody that is only positive vibes all the time and anyone who seems like they're that, I'm probably not going to spend any time around because you don't seem real, you don't seem human and you're not somebody who I'm probably going to vibe with and relate to. Um, the other thing that's really a issue, uh, big issue when it comes to um, these sorts of um, languages is that a lot of the time when we're, especially again, relating it specifically to the personal development space and the kind of thing, the kind of stuff that we do, is that when you make something absolute and you make it a definitive, this is what you need to do. This is what everybody needs to do. This is how everybody needs to deal with things. This is what you always need to do. You never need to do this. The challenge with those things is that these approaches tend to be very exclusionary because what they tend to be do is they tend to focus on the, the majority, and I'm using that in like my little bunny quotes, um, and, and the, the default people, which tend to be white, straight, cisgendered, able-bodied, um, sort of middle-class people. That's that's where most of that is directed or it's, it's designed with those people in mind. Well, in actual fact, there's a lot of people that sit outside of that. So um, I'm trying to think of a I'm trying to think of a stupid example and I can't think of one off the top of my head, right? Oh, always go and take a walk when you're feeling down. Well, if you're somebody who's in a wheelchair and you can't take a walk, that is exclusionary. If you have a chronic illness and you cannot get out of bed, that is exclusionary. And it's one of the things that we've been very mindful of with the universal needs work is that even when we've been going through and we've been doing the slide decks, when we've been going through and we've been working on the workbook, when we've um, put the needs nudges out in, in the community, um, when we do, um, we do the December self-care calendar um, most years where it's like a different thing to do each day and we had some things in there where it's like hold on a second that doesn't work for all people um, we have to find a way of doing this so, so that it is accessible and that more people can um, can access it but the challenge is is that if something is is created with a specific kind of person in mind but it's languaged as if this is for everybody at all times in all situations, then people can end up applying it at times when it's not appropriate and not helpful to do so. And I mean, we see, we see this all the time in what we do, right? Uh, don't say absolutely. Don't say absolutely. Don't you know, because I said all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something... It's part of it's common language. It's part of common language. And this is, you know... It, it happens like this. And this is kind of how it happened with us. Like right. you're you're experiencing it. It's like, you know, we're trying. It's In like real time. Real time. And it's like, okay, like what's the replacement word? And eventually we hope to get to the point where it's just, it's, it's our natural. common language mm -hmm. and it's natural for us to yeah. just like, I never say never. <laughs> like, right. It's, it, it reminds me, I mean, of really... A really kind of odd example is when I was younger, my um, my aunt and uncle had a minivan 
Um, and I mean, I was really young, and they still have said minivan, which is kind of weird. Like this, it, it won't cute. die. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I will never have a minivan. Like I will never be that type of person. And I haven't had a minivan. I have had kind of the uh, the kid carrier type of car. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, my aunt always said, never say never. And I'm mm-hmm. like, actually, I can see where that would come in handy. And it's like, even something that silly and that yeah. like kind of insignificant, it's like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Well, and it's like, and the thing about it is, is that sometimes what that does is it creates internal blocks for the things that will meet your needs. I've got another really, really silly example. Um, um, sometimes they're the best. <laughs> well, and actually, just to tag on for a second, yep. like, it was in my head like I couldn't I I never I'm never gonna get a minivan. So ding, if ding, I ding. all of a sudden That's where I was going created yep. a family mm-hmm. or it was in a situation where it I needed my like, needs. it met my needs in the most realistic way to get a minivan, I would have fought it tooth and nail mm-hmm. being like, No, I said it I said I would never do it, so I'm I'm never gonna do it. Like, and that's one of the ways in which you can compromise you li- I mean oh you're in my head today normally it's the other way around is it cozy in my head too it is yeah (laughs) but that's exactly where I was going with this and again I've got a very silly example um but I remember um when I was when I was young when I was a very young um um child I had um um I didn't like custard until I was uh, five years old (laughs) it was one of those things I didn't like custard until I was five years old um my sister, as we were growing up, she had it in her head. She knew, it had obviously come up in conversation, that I didn't like custard until I was five years old. So she had it in her head that she was not going to like custard until she was five years old. And the day of her fifth birthday, she had some custard and sure as hell, she liked it. It was great. She loved custard at that point. She'd never tried custard until that point because she had it in her head. She wasn't going to like custard. I don't like custard. I will not like custard until I am five. So at that point, her reality actually became in alignment with what she believed. And because she believed that I'm somebody I don't like custard currently, she didn't try custard. Chances are she probably would have liked it at four and a half. Probably at four. Who knows? She may have liked it at two. We don't know. We'll never know. But that's because she had this this absolute around it. It's I don't like custard. And that's the thing is is that so often is it creates these internal barriers to doing things that might... Um, might meet our needs so like that going back to the like always look on the bright side of life kind of thing if you flip that around like never look at the dark side of life and I'm not saying that that's a saying but there are a lot of sayings out there that are kind of similar to that they've got that kind of like like I said like the good vibes only kind of thing what it does is it blocks us from doing the things sometimes that we actually need Um, it's it's one of those situations where (sighs) What you tend to find with people is that because we are so, we're into this kind of common language thing in the sense that we pick up language without even realizing we're doing, we say things without even realizing we're we're saying them. But quite often when we say things, we hear them. And when we hear them, it forms beliefs for us about how we are, who we are, what we do, what we don't do. And um, and that can really put us into, it can pigeonhole us and restrict us from things that otherwise would would meet our needs in different circumstances. And, and like, 
again, like I got a kind of silly example. Like I didn't like olives. I don't like olives for a long, 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 long time. And then somebody gave me, I think it was tapenade from Whole Foods. Um, other tapenades are available. Um, <laughs> But it, and they served it on like a warm, crusty bread straight from the oven, and that's one of my Achilles heels. It's especially problematic for somebody who has a gluten intolerance. Um, but I remember eating, and I was like, "Oh, this is quite nice, actually." But I wouldn't. It was only because they pushed me to try it, and they were like, "Try this one; it's a little different." Now I eat olives like candy. Um, I never would have done that previously, but because I don't like olives. Even just something like that. Because the don't it's in there is it's absolutely I haven't liked olives in the past is a very different statement. And there are different ways of changing it. And it's a reason like for us, like very rarely, <laughs> she says, having used many absolutes in this one <laughs> podcast alone. But I try to be very mindful, especially when I'm working with clients, especially when I'm delivering content, of resisting the, the 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 habit of using always never all none only because so frequently there are exceptions mm-hmm. and the exceptions and the nuance is so important to needs we're going to we're going to do a, a podcast at some point on the nuance of needs because she says one podcast how many could we do I mean is the nuance which really the needs comes to life Mm -hmm. and the exceptions are sometimes what are needed and if you don't allow for exceptions and the absolutes don't allow for exceptions that's the whole point of it being an absolute is that the, the the need for there to be the presence of an exception means that you can always make choice about what is right for you. And if you're making choice, you are in your personal power need. If you're not making choice because you believe you don't, can't, always, never, all those sorts of things, chances are you're not choosing, do I want to do this or do I want to do that? Here's the way that feels right and in alignment for me and my needs at this point in time. And that's one of the ways that we can get, uh, compromise our needs. And something to kind of go back to um you had mentioned the positive the toxic positivity episode Mm -hmm. is that these absolutes also set those expectations and those bars that we were talking about in that episode Mm -hmm. where you're trying to live up to the absolute right because we're not in a absolute world mm-hmm. and it's exhausting to do that like if you think if you like you uh even just something simple like i always have to have a clean lawn mm-hmm. always like i always what? it's even something like i always drink a cup of water in the morning right the day that you don't drink your cup of water then all of a sudden your impact like you're impacting your own mm-hmm. belief system and it's like oh and then you kind of go in like there's potential to go into a hole or a spiral. Right. Or like, like I've let myself down. I haven't met my needs mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And it's interesting because like when um, when I actually started to develop the needs program, um, it's funny, the very first um, uh, page where I started to look at the ways, um, the ways of meeting uh, my foundation function need. Um, and it was interesting because there were a lot of absolutes on that page. Um, there are also a lot of minimums on that page where it's like, mm. I have to sleep for eight hours. I have to meditate at least 20 minutes a day. I have to practice yoga 30 minutes a day. I have to drink two liters of water a day. I have to like, it, it was like, and again, have to, that I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do the other. And it was like, there was no wiggle room in that. And I was halfway through the first page about my first need of which there are 12. 
I'm exhausted at the thought of it. Um, and it's the reason that the way that we work with our needs now is we actually do it the exact opposite, where it's like, how do we make doing this? How do we take the pressure off? How do we take, um, how do we make it feel easier? How do we make it feel lighter? And those absolutes often add some of that pressure and some of that heaviness. Now, the one thing I will say is everything in moderation, including moderation, um, which means that we want to generally try to lose the absolutes, but we might not want to lose them absolutely because there are some times when absolutes can be helpful. So, for example, when we're talking about um, like social justice stuff, it's not um, like it's never okay to be a racist asshole. Like that is an absolute that I will stand by. Mm -hmm. Like I am okay with that because I believe that to be true. Mm -hmm. I don't believe there is ever a situation where that is a good idea. And that is something that is beneficial to me, to anybody else in the world. So that is an absolute. So, and this is the thing is that it's not about the irony is, is like we want to absolutely lose the absolutes, but not necessarily absolutely. Um, <laughs> wrap your brain around that one um, <laughs> because we always want to be and the key here's the key the key to this is mindfulness we mm -hmm. want to be mindful and intentional about what we are saying and why we are saying it so there are going to be occasions where i will deliberately use an absolute because i mean it. it's like that this is never okay um, this is always important for example those are some 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 of the things that i will use because that's true mm -hmm. But it's the mindfulness around them and it's the mindfulness about the habit because the habit tends to be the absolutes. We tend to use absolutes as a habit. So what we want to do is we want to start to kind of break that habit a little bit and get more into the habit of actually checking in and do, do I mean always? Mm -hmm. Do I mean never? Um, and especially when it comes to like when we're dealing with um, other people, when we're dealing with conflict, when we're dealing with challenges, if I say the other thing about the other challenge with using absolutes is that, and it's one of the reasons that I actually do this with this work as well, is that one of the challenges with absolutes is if somebody else can find an exception, it undermines everything that you've said. And it means that their trust in what you've said and their trust in you as a result will start to diminish. So if I say, you always have to do this and somebody comes up to me and goes, uh, what about in this situation? I go, well, yeah, not in that situation. Well, all of a sudden, I, I lose credibility in that situation. Same thing if we're talking, like if I say to Serena, oh, you never do this. And she was like, I did it that one time two months ago. Um, that was something in my relationship with my husband, Joe, mm. like taking the absolutes out of our conversations, you know, especially when, let's say dishes. Mm -hmm. Dishes was always a revolving thing with us where like that was... That was one of the points where we always seemed to, we we hadn't figured it out yet. And it was like, you never do this. And he's like, well, fuck off. Watch what never is. Like, right. <laughs> and, and that wasn't the conversation, but that was, you know. Some of the energy behind it. Some of the it. energy behind yeah. it. And it's like, no. And creating the picture of somebody else as never doing this, as always being this, you can also create a false picture of yourself within your own brain. Mm -hmm. Like, I never do this. Like, I never do harm. Right. I, uh. <laughs> I I never want to do harm. I yes. believe that's an absolute I can stick next to is like I never I never want to do harm to somebody. I never want to traumatize somebody. Mm -hmm. Have I? Yes. Will I in the future? Unfortunately, yes. 
And here's the other thing that's the issue with absolutes is that when we, it's especially about who we are, I never do this. The thing about it is if you say I never do this, it stops our vigilance around that thing. And what it means, it's actually easier for us to sometimes slip into those bad behaviors without realizing that we've done it because we have the self-image of the fact that we are somebody who never does that. Mm -hmm. So say, for example, I'm someone who never swears. We know that's not true. I'm not even going to go. I'm not going to even suggest that you say this. Um, I tried it for a while. It didn't work, didn't work well. out so well. There's a reason this has an explicit label on it as a, as a podcast. You guys, I'm sorry, just a random aside. At one point, we were trying to avoid the explicit, explicit label, but apparently shit outdid that for us even with an asterisk yes. yeah but the amount of ducks you guys were about to hear like we had a we had a quack yes and it, like you might have noticed actually very early on in the uh in the podcast for the first i think maybe three or, three, four, three or four episodes, episodes. there's a quack that's like kind of um um uh, censoring when we when we were swearing and um because it was a duck instead of a fuck and the funny thing is is that we got to the point where, like this is not gonna work this is not us mm -hmm. like this is we want to be natural we want to be real we want to be human and sometimes that comes with a potty mouth exactly so let's use the example of like i never swear if i'm someone i don't believe i ever swear if i get super angry I'm never going to, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not even going to be paying attention to it. I'm not going to be paying attention to like, where are the situations where I might need to be mindful of my language? Um, and this might not be the best example because I know there are some people who've conditioned themselves out of using certain language. This might not be the best example. Um, but it's easier for you to, for something to slip out because you're not paying attention. If I know I'm somebody who I can have a potty mouth on occasions, um, if I'm in certain situations, I know I need to watch that and I know I need to be mindful and I need to be conscious of the choices that I'm making. Uh, the same thing is that I've seen it a lot with um, uh, men who say, um, oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I always respect women. Always respect women. <laughs> this is a very, this is a very, it's a very common one. Very common. I always respect women. Because they have this self-image of somebody who always respects women, they're not even stopping to think about the situations in which maybe they don't. Maybe the jokes. That, which, they, that maybe they're not even telling, but they're laughing at. Exactly. Or not even laughing at, but just not saying, oh, that's not cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, let's, let's lose that one, shall we? Um, and that's the thing is that even just saying staying silent in that situation, that's not respecting women. But there's because there's these kind of layers of 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 nuance in it that people are not thinking about because the image is I'm somebody who always respects women and because they see themselves that way they're not looking for the places where maybe they aren't and they're not looking for the places where maybe some shifting or changing or or tweaking would be helpful um and as as is true of anyone with any kind of privilege and anyone with um that's a, a particularly uh, important one because often our privilege keeps us um, keeps the places in which we are engaging with our privilege hidden to us like it's they're like the blind spots in a car like we can't see them unless we go look for them because we've been taught to ignore them or taught that they're not there so we don't have to pay attention to them um, and so this is the thing is that so often if we if we if we're using these absolutes is that it stops us from being conscious about our choices in terms of our language, in terms of our actions, in terms of our behavior. I also think a lot of times using absolutes kind of 
gives people the feeling of entitlement or privilege to be a certain way because oh that's I always do this like yes we'll go back to my potty mouth because I can speak to that (laughs) I I generally spice my uh daily dish with a couple of fucks it's just who I am however I go into a work situation podcast excluded Mm -hmm. um I am not gonna be fucking about literally (laughs) literally because in in being like well I swear I always swear this is just who I am like yeah no it's not an excuse the absolute is not an excuse right it doesn't mean that you don't have to be mindful about the choices that you make and the impact that has to your needs and other people's Mm -hmm. needs because in that context like if you were in certain corporate environments where that's not okay it could compromise your needs Mm because your job could be at risk likewise if you are around um uh, say children for example and that's something that would be detrimental to them to be around and there are different schools of thought on this I'm not saying I'm not saying yes or no right or wrong which is which is the right way but if say this is like that behave that um language well okay let's 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 use another example of language that actually is harmful we've talked about we did the um uh episode on the c word Mm -hmm. where that is a language that is harmful to somebody else but if you're not even aware of the fact that you use harmful I never use harmful language well that stops you paying attention and checking whether what you're doing is harmful mm-hmm. um if you want to know what the c word is that we're talking about go and listen to that episode i will put the uh, link to it in the show notes um but that's one where it's like i'm saying something and it is actually harming another person that's going to impact their needs it's going to impact your needs because of the interconnectedness and and so this is like there are so many examples of how these seemingly innocuous things these seemingly irrelevant or unimportant things um can actually be subtly but very powerfully influencing us and affecting the way that we're meeting our needs and the way that we may be compromising the needs of others and because we are talking a lot of the time and because we are using certain languages without certain languages certain, <laughs> certain words um, certain words without realizing that we're doing it because we're not being mindful about what we're saying and how we're saying it we cannot then make conscious choice about changing it and doing things in a way that are actually going to be supportive for us so for example i would say um i meet my needs every day I do meet my needs every day because everything you do every second of every day is done to meet your needs. So I am meeting my needs every day. Now, if I was to say my intention is to do my needs practice most days or my intention is to do my needs practice every day, that's very different to I do my needs practice every day. Because if I say I do my needs practice every day and then I don't, I'm making myself a liar. So I'm going to feel bad about myself, which compromises maybe my value need. Or it might push me to do my needs practice on a day when actually what I need to do is rest. So I could compromise my foundation function need because I want to be in alignment with this self-image that I have um, that is in alignment with that absolute. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, this shows up so many places. It and really does. And I want to say like, as you've heard on this very podcast, like it's a work in progress for us. Like it, it's difficult to change the language that you've been used using. to using for 
a long time. Right. And it's, you know, sometimes it's the catch in the middle. Sometimes it's the catch after. And, Mm -hmm. you know, especially with the C word, those replacement words, like having those ready, like, okay, I don't mean always. I mean, some of the time. I mean, my intention. You know, like the different words you can place in and having those ready and being like, oh, is that what I mean? Like, what am I usually thinking of when I say the word never? And being like, well, I normally mean this. And trying to cultivate that as the word that comes out and obviously one of the things that meets our needs is our relationships and our our connections and our community and the other thing is is that one of the things that you could you can do to um step out of that absolute space and also create a space where you're more likely to be a excuse me i've got a hiccup (laughs) um where you're more likely to be able to communicate discuss work together, find common ground and navigate through a, a potentially conflict uh, situation with of conflict is to say, rather than you never do this or you always do this, like how I would often phrase it, it was like, it seems to me like this is happening a lot. It seems to me now, I and I will actually sometimes qualify it and say that I may be wrong. Like if you can, like if, if they, feel free to challenge me on this. If you don't agree with what I'm saying, um, I wanted because it may just be that I'm perceiving it a certain way, and there's a different there is there is a uh, an alternative way to view it, which would be more helpful. And that alone, it automatically takes it out of that accusatory. You are never doing this. You are always doing this. It's a way of offering. Here's my perspective. This is how it seems to me. How does it seem to you? Because it may be that it seems differently to you, and that then opens up the space for dialogue. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I'm 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 really sad to hear that that's how it seems to you this is how it seems to me like what is it that is one of us not seeing something are we just not communicating when we're doing something like it opens up a dialogue space which um is so important to have constructive supportive and mutually beneficial relationships well and the people that can you know if I'm doing my absolutes and all all of a sudden <laughs> not the absolute way um <laughs> Claire and I will be like, do you everything or mm-hmm. some of the things? Or, you know, like an offering. Yeah. And you have to be in communication and relationship where that is what you've cultivated together. Mm-hmm. But having somebody to be able to be like, oh, oh that does, you know, Claire, one of the, uh, the techniques we use, especially around the C word, is, oh, that does sound intense. Like, and offering another phrase. Yeah. An alternative one. Um, the other thing is that the the great a great way of navigating around that is questions. Um, and even if you're not in close connection with somebody, questions can be a great way to navigate through that. Like, is it is it really always? I'm I'm just curious. Like, is it really always? I'm like that. That's not how it seems to me. But I'm just curious. Is is it always? Um, like, um, is like. Is, is it is it true that that never happens? Like, and I'll, I mean, I do this a lot with clients. I mean, I do it a lot with Serena. Like, if, maybe if we're talking about, she's talking about somebody else and she'll use an absolute and I'll be like, really, never? Like, is that like, and oh, actually no. Like, it, most of the time, and again, that qualification, most of the time, what it does, it brings you back into dealing with reality. Because a lot of the time, the absolutes also, it can, 
they shift our perception of what's happening in the real world. So it's like, I might have a viewpoint of the fact that uh, an ex of mine always did this and never did that. And they now have that image in my head and I'm going to relate to that image of them rather than actually noticing what they're really doing and not doing. And that can get in the way of the connections and the communication. Same thing with Serena. If I thought Serena was somebody who, um, okay, here's a good example. So I could easily say, Serena's always late. Now, the truth is, that's not true. Now, it might seem like she's always late because she is often late. <laughs> but actually, she's often late, but she communicates and tells me that she's going to be a few minutes late because she needs to do something to prioritize her needs, which is actually going to benefit the situation that we're in. So if I stop the sentence that Serena's always late... It actually doesn't reflect, it's not representative of who she is and how she shows up. Now, what I can say is she's frequently she's not here at the time that we decided we were going to start. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that surrounds that, the communication, the respect, the fact that we've had conversations and I'm like, I would far rather you stand, you, you show up 10 minutes later caffeinated than on time and not caffeinated if that's what you feel you need that day to be able to do what we're doing like we've had those conversations and I think that sometimes the absolutes they can um they can dilute the the truth of what's really going on and it prevents us from really acknowledging the full picture and responding to that real picture well and I, that's actually a really good example because that's the truth and if Claire was presenting me to me, to other people, and even to herself as always late, then maybe I wouldn't be like, oh, she's always like, oh, well, now I can't be late at all. And I would end up in the past compromising my needs. Yeah. And, you know, then the coffee, like, I don't need coffee. I like coffee and I choose to drink it because I enjoy it. And there are days that I would like that extra caffeinated right. boost. Yeah. And on the days that I do show up a little bit later, like we said, we usually communicate about it or, you know, Claire will be like, get your coffee this morning. I understand where the mm -hmm. timing is. If I come uncaffeinated, what we're going to get done is going to be so much less than if I had taken that time, that time mm -hmm. those couple of minutes. And it also means that what I can what I can do is I can communicate around it as well. And if I'm like, she's always late, well, if I really need her to be on time one day for a particular purpose, she's always late. There's no point that, that, that like immediately that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I know I could say to Serena, we really need to be, I really need you here at this time today. And I know that sometimes like, I need, is that possible for you to be able to? And I know that in those situations, because most of the time I'm fluid and flexible about it, she she would be like, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and that is an absolute that it's like, yeah. yes, you are specifically asking, I will absolutely make sure. Well, actually, I will no. absolutely do everything, everything in my can. power to attempt to be there at times. So I will leave earlier than I normally mm -hmm. do. And if there's a, an accident on the bridge or there's heavy traffic um or there's an accident there's a police diversion mm -hmm. or my car stops working like again like it's like what's the absolute and again like let's let's deal with the truth because if serena said to me i will absolutely be there on time and then she wasn't mm -hmm. and it but it was outside of her 
um, capacity or to be her ability to actually determine whether or not that was going to happen or not. I mean, yeah, she wanted to absolutely be here on time. She could say to me, yeah, Claire, I'll stay with you the night before. Then I'm definitely going to be there at night. And it may be that there are certain situations where it's like, if I've got a flight to catch or something, I might do that because that's the only way I know that I'm definitely going to be able to do that. But the reality is, is that it means that we can have a conversation about it where we're going to deal with the truth, which is the truth is I'll do everything in my power to be there on time that day. Um, the only reason I will not be there is if something happens that's beyond my control. That, and again, only reason, only is another absolute, but that is a, that is a, a, an honest response because sickness, car failure. I mean, there's a number life. of things that could happen. Life <laughs> happens. Life. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and that's the funny thing is that Sometimes that she might, and, and the, the irony is, is she might show up on time that day. I might be late that day because something's happened at my end too. And I think that's the thing is that all of these things, I think the thing with absolutes is absolutes do, they they reduce our ability to connect to our humanity and our humanness and our wholeness. And we are not always the same thing. We're not Stepford wives. We're not um, robots. We don't, we're not always going to do something. We're not never going to do something. We're not going to do something all of the time or every, um, every time. Like we're human and human involves exception. Mm -hmm. Human involves nuance. And I think that the more we can step out of the things that, that, that move us away from our humanity and from our realness, and absolutes are one of the things that do that. And the more we can get rid of that and instead return back to <clears throat> being real and whole and messy and imperfect, um, the if from my experience, that is always <laughs> that's always more in alignment. That is more often more in alignment with getting your needs consistently met. Anything you want to add? Now I will go off on a tangent, <laughs> so I will save it for notes and a future episode. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. And I just want to reiterate what Serena said. Notice that we're not perfect and notice that we are human. And I've caught myself a number of times today because it's still a language uh, pattern that I'm in the habit of. And if you notice I, the fact I've caught myself, that is part of my process in trying to change this. Same thing as Serena has as well. So we invite you to be human with this process as well, the same as we are. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Uh, remember between now and next time to stay safe and continue to meet your needs. Lots of love. Bye. Bye, friends. That's it for today. If you liked what you heard and would like to see some of Serena's awesome facial expressions, check out the video podcast via Patreon. And remember, the less absolutes we have in our lives, the more human it invites us to be. Well, shit. It really is that simple.